Yo, this is David back again with another episode of the Blood and Fire Radio Podcast. This is episode number 136. I think I had teased that I was uh, possibly going to do a themed episode for this one, and I lied. Um, (laughs) It just didn't end up happening. I ended up coming up with uh, just uh, another regular episode here. It is still in the cards, though, for some time in the near future to do uh, another themed one. I just haven't really... Uh, hammered down exactly what I want to do just yet, but we'll get there. So, uh, all right, let's see. We are in February now already. Uh, let's kick things off with something nice and heavy here. This is a band that I uh, thought was Dutch for a while there, and then uh, you know, upon further research, realized that they were German. And I've played them on the podcast before as well, so I'm sure that I looked it up before that they were German, but I just forgot. In my head, they're Dutch, but they are not. The band is Revel in Flesh, and they kind of have um, kind of that German style with, you know, uh, I I say Unleashed. Unleashed is Swedish, but they were one of those bands that went against the grain back in the 90s, and uh, rather than record at Sunlight Studios in Stockholm like all the other bands in that scene did, you know, you're entombed and dismembered and bands like that, um, they wanted a different sound, so they would always go to Germany and record there. And they kind of had a sound that differed from the other Swedish bands as well. And there's a lot of other kind of German death metal bands that, to me, sound more similar to Unleashed than some of the, you know, Swedish counterparts. And uh, and this band is kind of a blend there. So they kind of have their German style, and they also kind of have the Swedish style. They have a little touch of Unleashed in there. Um, but I really like this band. I, I've only heard their last couple of records. I haven't heard their first uh, probably two or three uh, they got five records now. I'm going to play something off of uh, what is their most recent one that came out in 2019. Um, the record's called The Hour of the Avenger, and that came out in December of 2019 uh, through War Anthem Records. Awesome cover art. Um, the production's nice and thick and heavy. Songs are great. Uh, the guitar work is great. Um, yeah, they, they kind of fit right in with kind of this new wave of of uh, what's what they call old school death metal bands which is just you know they're kind of copying that template that was laid from um, some earlier German and Swedish death metal bands and um, they just fly the flag really well in my opinion so uh, yeah this is a band that I go back to every couple of months I'd say I just kind of get the urge to listen to them and I'll fire up one of their albums again But this new one is very good. Um, Here we go. I'm going to play the title track. So here we go from Germany. This is Revel in Flesh with The Hour of the Avenger. Yeah! 
All right, there we go. That was Revel in Flesh from Germany with The Hour of the Avenger. Um, as I said, I haven't heard their first couple of records. I think maybe the first three, but I've heard the last two and have really uh, enjoyed them a lot. Uh, all right, we're going to Sweden here. This is a, a band that kind of uh, blends black metal and death metal quite nicely. Uh, they've been going since 92, and that is Nagelfar. And... Um, I'm going to play one that is off of the final album that featured Jens Ryden on lead vocals. He then left and joined uh, Thierfing, and is still the vocalist for Thierfing. And uh, the bass player, Christopher Olivius, um, he decided to switch over to vocals, uh, so they didn't get a new vocalist, he just kind of assumed that role. And uh, so this is the last album featuring Jens on vocals, it's the third album called Sheol, and that came out in uh, March of '03 through Century Media Records. That was actually their first one uh, on Century Media. Uh, their first couple have a much more uh, raw kind of production, um, not too raw or anything, but just certainly had more of a, of a DIY kind of production to it. Um, the first album is fantastic. The second album, Diabolical, I think is even better. That's not always a popular opinion because a lot of people love the debut um, but I really really love the songs and the guitar work on Diabolical it's just very dissection-esque and it's just a fantastic record and uh, but this one Sheol featured uh, a much more like punchier and, and cleaner production uh, kind of brought them to another level I'd say and um, and then after this album when Jens left I was really looking forward to the follow-up uh, which was called Pariah came out in 05 I believe and uh, yeah whenever that came out I was all over it uh, I really liked uh, Christopher Olivia's vocals he doesn't sound like Jens not really um, but he has a great voice and the songs on Pariah I thought were uh, were excellent very memorable but yeah this one a little bit of a backstory with this tune is that my old band Obsidian Throne we used to do a lot of covers um, like our set still consisted you know 90 percent of uh, of originals but we would always kind of pepper in one or two covers into our live set and we would kind of rotate them around and we did tons of them when i think back you know a lot a lot of things that we covered but we also had a lot of things that never got off the ground like we would we would decide we were going to cover a song and then it would just kind of a couple of the band members would never really get started learning it while the rest of us were sitting there practicing it like crazy and then we'd show up at practice and say, all right, are we ready to work on that cover? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, I haven't really worked on it yet. And it would just fizzle out, and we never did it. And this was one of them. Uh, our singer, Chris, really wanted to cover this song, and uh, and I was all for it as well. And I think we were kind of the only two <laughs> that were really cared because the other guys didn't really listen to this band or anything, so they just kind of weren't as into it, and it fizzled out, which is a shame. But um, great song. Here we go. Off of Sheol from 2003, this is Nagelfar with I Am Vengeance.
right, there we go. That was Nagelfar from Sweden with I Am Vengeance. Yeah, that would have been an awesome one to cover. Um, we did some cool ones like Old Man's Child and stuff like that, and that would have been a really good one. I wish we could have uh, gotten that one off the ground. But uh, that's an excellent record, and that's just one of the most popular and most memorable songs uh, in their whole catalog. Uh, all right, we're going to the UK here. This band existed initially from 97 to 2012, and then they called it quits, and then they reformed in 2016 and eventually released um, another album in 2017. And they're still active now, although they haven't released anything since 2017, but that band is Acrecock, at least that's how I've always pronounced it. Um, I've never been a huge fan because they're pretty freaking weird musically. And, you know, anybody who's listened to this show before knows how I am with, like, more avant-garde stuff. It's really hit and miss. Some of it is good, and I like it a lot, and then other stuff, I'm just kind of shrug my shoulders at it and say, I don't really, I'm not into this, it's too weird. Uh, but this band kind of falls into that category of being a little too weird, but, um, but there's, on every album, there seems to be a few songs that I do enjoy. Um, so I'm going to play one off of what is arguably their most popular record, which is called Koronzen. At least that's how it's pronounced according to the internet, because I've always seen the title and never had to actually say it out loud to anybody before. So uh, as I was preparing for this episode, I was like, all right, I guess I should look this up. And uh, I saw several examples of people pronouncing it that way but anyways uh you might know it as the one with uh the ass on the front <laughs> so you'll just check it out if you don't know what i'm talking about you'll see but um but no i've always thought this one had the best production to suit their music and uh had some of their better songs for me to get into as far as ones that are a little more straightforward and easy for me to get into uh, but this record came out in 2003. It's their third album out of six. Uh, their debut came out back in like 99. And they put out albums all the way through 2007. And then they had a long hiatus there. And then after they reformed, they put out another album in 2017. And that's kind of where they stand now. Uh, but this one, as I said, third album came out through Earache Records. And yeah, this is not a band that I go back to all that often. But uh, sometimes the mood strikes me. So what the hell? Let's play it. So off of their third album, Koronzen. This is Akercock with Son of the Morning. Bear witness to my testimony The things that I have done Unforgivable Multitude of sins 
Acrecock from England with Son of the Morning. That drummer actually filled in with My Dying Bride for a stretch there for, I think it might have just been for one tour and a couple of festivals, you know, um, just until they could get somebody else in there. And he did a pretty good job. I was kind of hoping they'd hang on to him uh, as their permanent drummer, but uh, he wasn't interested, I guess. Uh, I actually had the uh, good fortune of seeing them live in 20... 11 I guess it was um, at the Inferno Festival in Oslo they performed and uh, it was for as kind of 50-50 I am with them you know on the records I thought they were excellent live I was really glad I got to see that Uh, all right let's move on here to the USA out of Wisconsin out of Sheboygan don't get too many bands uh, from that neck of the woods Um, but this band existed initially from 84 to 94, and uh, and then they kind of regrouped in 2010. And they're still going now. It's a five-piece, really nasty kind of thrash band called Morbid Saint. And it's a band that I kind of forgot about. Um, they only have two records. Uh, one came out in 1990, which was the debut, which is kind of a classic. 
and then they released one uh, in 2015 after they reformed which is just kind of it's just kind of there I guess <laughs> but but no this debut and I'm going to play something off of it it's called Spectrum of Death uh, came out in 1990 as I said and it's just kind of this this gem that not a lot of people really seem to talk about um, you know back in my later years of high school when I was starting to really try to find what's more extreme you know uh, I was way into thrash as many of you know and of course you hit on all the big names your Metallica's and Megadeth and Testament and Slayer and all that kind of stuff and then I started uh, branching out to the German scene and getting really into destruction and Sodom and bands like that and then you're just kind of looking around like okay what else what else you know and uh, that's when things branched into you know death metal and stuff like that but it was around that time when I first discovered uh, Morbid Saint really enjoyed this record um, same thing with bands like Morgoth and stuff like that kind of comparable with that kind of nasty not quite death metal yet but on the verge it's just more extreme than your typical thrash you know so this debut as I said it's a classic in my opinion and uh, it just doesn't get enough love so here we go off of the uh, debut album Spectrum of Death this is Morbid Saint with Beyond the Gates of Hell
that was Morbid Saint from the USA with Beyond the Gates of Hell. Um, that's such a great record, and you can even, if you really listen, you can you can get some vibes of like Altars of Madness by Morbid Angel. You kind of get some of those same vibes going with that, and it's just uh, amazing to me how little I hear about Morbid Saint. <laughs> um, all right, this next one is frankly one of the great joys of doing this podcast is um, finding a band that you had not heard of that kind of blows you away and you're just like damn this is cool and there's been several over the years I've been doing this and uh, this next one is one to just add to the list because it's a band that I had not heard of kind of has a very generic sounding band name and you know you maybe wouldn't think too much of it but um, really cool stuff band from Athens, Greece called Medieval Demon, and they existed originally from 93 to 98. Um, I haven't heard any of their early stuff, uh, but they regrouped in 2013, and they're still going now, and they've put out some albums in 2018, 2020, and 2022, and I've heard the last two albums now um, very recently, and think that they're awesome, (laughs) because they're just kind of atmospheric, uh, not in the sense of a band like Zaster or something like that, but it's atmospheric in the sense that it just creates a real kind of, uh, you kind of get this evil church-type, you know, funeral procession. There's kind of organs and big, you know, operatic priests, you know, speaking in the background, and it creates a real mood, and even the album covers are very just kind of black and white, and um they're just they're great (laughs) and it's it's amazing to me i never heard of this band before but um i think i just came across them on spotify as always listening to one band and then see them listed in the similar artists and i said well i've never heard them before let's check it out and um listened to the most recent record thought it was great listened to the one before thought it was great Uh, but i think the production on the most recent one um, is is better. So I'm playing something off of the newest one. The album's called Black Coven, and it came out in September of 2022. It's their fourth album overall, and that came out through Hell's Headbangers. And yes, this is a fantastic album, um, as is the one before it. And if you're like me and you've never heard of them before, uh, I I can't uh, recommend checking it out enough because it's uh, it's worth your time. So here we go, off of the most recent record, Black Coven. This is Medieval Demon from Greece with Baptismal Blood.
Night. That was Medieval Demon from Athens, Greece with Baptismal Blood. Um, that's just a really fun listening experience and um, can't recommend it enough. I listened to, as I said, their, their two most recent ones uh, just this past week. And I'll probably be listening again, frankly, this upcoming week while I'm working. Um, all right, we're going to Copenhagen, Denmark here. This is kind of a traditional metal speed metal type band and um they've got three records don't know anything about the most recent two all i know is the debut um i like the debut and i just kind of haven't thought about it in a long time (laughs) and i was listening to god what was i listening to i think i was checking out the most recent uh, uriah heap album which is actually quite good considering how far into their career they are and everything it's actually a pretty refreshing album um, but yeah, it just kind of sent me down the rabbit hole of listening to some, you know, more traditional metal stuff recently, and I just kind of came across this band again, and I was like, ooh, I haven't listened to that in a while. And the band is Witchcross, and uh, they existed from 82 to 86, and then they regrouped uh, in 2011, and they're still going now, although I think there's very few original members left, maybe only one at this point. Um, but that seems to be the case with a lot of these, you know, old bands from 40 years ago that kind of regroup. It's always maybe one, one or two guys at most, and then there's just some others uh, filling in the, the open positions from there. But yeah, they put out a record in 2013 and another one in 2021. I have yet to check them out. Uh, as I said, for me, it's just kind of all comes back to this, uh, this debut. Pretty strong album, uh, pretty memorable songs, good guitars, good vocals. Um, I'm going to play something off of that debut. It came out in 84. It's called Fit for Fight, and that came out through Roadrunner Records. And it's got a really generic, uh, looks like somebody made it in Microsoft Word, you know, album cover. But it makes it memorable somehow, <laughs> like because it's such a cheap-looking, like, shitty cover. It makes it memorable somehow. But um, production's decent for the time and uh, as I said to me it's just quality songwriting and they just execute it really well so off of that debut album Fit for Fight this is Witch Cross with Fight the Fire I'm on the loose tonight My woman's not inside Tatum! 
That was Witch Cross from Denmark with Fight the Fire. Very catchy. As I said, it's just uh, a showcase of excellent song structures for me. Um, I'm always fascinated by just great songwriting, more so than flashy individual performances and things like that. Uh, All right, we are going to Belgium here. Um, This band, really, I don't know anything about their debut at all. But uh, there was a ton of buzz around the second record, and uh, we all, the, you know, the lads in Krigsgrove uh, checked out this record, and we were kind of stuck on it for a while. We, we all really enjoyed it. The band is Butcher, and that's Butcher with uh, umlauts over the U. And uh, they've been around from 02 to 07. They didn't release anything during that time. Uh, They regrouped in 2014, and now they've put out two records, one in 2017. And then this newest one came out in January of 2020. I think Justin even put it on his uh, 2020, like end of the year, you know, best albums of 2020 list or whatever. Um, That record that I'm speaking of is called 666 Goats Carry My Chariot. And that came out early in 2020. It came out in January through Osmos Productions. And great. I mean, it's got an epic album cover. Um, it's really quality speed metal, but it's done in this kind of loose, almost sloppy, but not quite, you know, it's still tight enough to where it, it sounds good. Um, it's kind of very reminiscent of like Bloodfire, Death, era Bathory and um, the title track all these songs are about like three minutes three and a half minutes and then the title track is a long one and that's another parallel to me with Bloodfire Death is that uh, you'll have you know a fine day to die as kind of this this epic or whatever on there that kind of has more of a big epic feel uh, when you know compared to the other songs on that record and that's kind of how it is with the title track on this one but I love the title track it's uh, it's really good so that's the one I'm gonna play now uh, as I said all the other songs are pretty short and sweet very good speed metal uh, but this one's got uh, a little more to it and I really dig it so here we go off of their 2020 album of the same name this is butcher with 666 goats carry my chariot
That was Butcher from Belgium with 666 Goats Carry My Chariot. There's a lot going on in that one, and I, I really like it a lot. It kind of covers their entire spectrum of their sound within one tune. Um, all right, we're going back to Sweden here out of Stockholm. This band's been going since 91, and they have covered a whole variety of, uh, of genres and influences and stuff, and that is Catatonia. Um, I love Catatonia for the most part. Uh, the early stuff is great, of course. Um, you know, Brave Murder Day is, is phenomenal. And even with their more modern stuff, like they kind of took their sound in a really modern direction, and it's kind of been hit and miss, but the good ones have been really good. But it hasn't been a pristine discography or anything like that. There's been a couple of letdowns here and there, or a few albums that I... not going to say that they're bad albums, but they're just albums that didn't do a lot for me. And uh, their last album is uh, is definitely on that list as well. Uh, the one prior, I enjoyed kind of 50-50, and then, uh, you know, they, they released that album City Burials that I just did not like. It just didn't do anything for me at all. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I heard maybe like three weeks ago that they were releasing a new one like they revealed all the details and then i feel like it came out like two weeks later there was just very little like build up to it uh i feel like they announced there's a new album coming and then three weeks later it was out and uh so i'm gonna play something off of it because it's actually been pretty refreshing and my friend tom uh in england he kind of echoed that same um, thought. You know, I didn't share my thoughts or anything about it on uh, social media, but he kind of beat me to the punch there because he jumped in and said, you know, I didn't really, I wasn't feeling the last couple of records and really didn't expect too much from this one, but it's really surprised me. You know, it's it's a definite uh, step back in the right direction. And I feel the same way. Um it's to me it's on par with records that i love like the great cold distance um it's it's really good i, I was very surprised uh it, they're not really deviating too much from their more modern records but um i think it's it's really good it's a good return to form for them so <clears throat> the album is called sky a sky void of stars and that came out on january 20th through napalm records it's their 12th album overall and uh, this one that I'm about to play is actually one of the singles off of it, um, one of the first singles they released off of it, but it still sticks out to me as one of the better songs uh, on the album. So, without further ado, here we go off of the album Sky Void of Stars. This is Catatonia with Birds.
There we go. That's Catatonia from Sweden with Birds. Um, yeah, if you're like me and you've kind of fallen off of that uh, Catatonia wagon, um, jump back in because this new album is actually a pretty strong effort, I would say. Uh, all right, we're going for something old next. We're going to the USA out of New York. And this band was a solo project that existed from 82 to 2010. There might have been a couple of little hiatuses uh, in there from time to time, but uh, for the most part, it stayed pretty steady. That is Dio, of course, the project of Ronnie James Dio. And some real, real excellent stuff in there. There really isn't a weak album to me. They all kind of had their charm to them uh, right up until his last few, you know. Um... I remember Magica, which I think came out in like 1998, if I remember right, um, is one of his best reviewed albums um, of his whole discography, and that came out pretty far into his career. But generally speaking, um, people love the first couple of records, first two or three, uh, back when they still had, you know, Vivian Campbell on guitar, and it was just kind of that original group. Um, they released some really classic stuff. And, of course, Holy Diver is the one that most people gravitate to. Uh, I think the second album is just as strong. Um, and I'm going to play something off of that album now. It's called The Last in Line. came out in 84 through Warner Brothers Records. And that was their second album uh, out of ten is what he ended up with. Because, uh, of course, he had a stretch there where he was he went back into Black Sabbath to do the Dehumanizer album. And, uh, you know, in the 90s, um, they just kind of took their sweet time <laughs> between between records. But, uh, yeah, this was kind of a magical time, kind of lightning in a bottle time for them in the, in the early 80s there. So really great songs, uh, some epic, you know, iconic cover art and everything like that. And, of course, Dio just at uh, his absolute peak vocally and all that. So this is one of the faster ones on the album. I figured I'd bring a little energy here. So here we go off of 1984's The Last in Line. This is Dio with I Speed at Night. Because he's a fucking rebel. Through the brain Black's wider But brighter than the flame 
right, there we have it. The legend himself, that is Dio with I Speed at Night off of The Last in Line. Um, yeah, I love Vinny's drumming uh, on that, on those first few records. Uh, he's definitely got his own his own style, his own signature style. Um, all right, what the hell are we doing here? We're going to uh, the Ukraine. This is a four-piece that's been going since 2017. Um, I think they just released a new single, which blows my mind because when they're just right in the in the throes of war right now, how uh, how artists, whether it's musical or otherwise, are still um, managing to to release things, and maybe it's just a matter of distraction. They just want to focus on this so they don't have to focus on all the other shit that's going on um but the band is called three eyes of the void and uh it's one that i had heard of and uh, was very slow to finally check them out um i'm glad i did though they have a very modern approach it's very kind of modern melodic black metal and um you know the production is pretty sleek and pretty punchy and uh kind of a wall of sound and it's good. The guitar work is actually very good. The singer has kind of a more modern voice, which maybe isn't for everyone. Um, it's not my favorite in the world or anything like that. Um, but it suits the music, I would say. But I think the production of um, the new single that they released is not quite right for the music. So I am going to play something off of their debut EP because I feel like the production was uh, suited the music much better. Uh, the EP is called The Moment of Storm, and it came out in December of 2017 through Diabolus Productions. And uh, as I said, this was their debut release, and I assume there's a full length uh, coming at some point, or maybe that single they released uh, recently was just meant to be a one-off type thing. Not really sure, but um, I had always heard good things and uh, was way too slow to check them out, and uh, I'm glad that I finally did, so... Here we go off of their debut release, their 2017 EP, The Moment of Storm. This is Three Eyes of the Void with The Eyes to See.
All right, there we go. From the Ukraine, that is Three Eyes of the Void with the eyes to see. Um, I mean, this, the standout feature there is, is most definitely the, the guitar work, uh, all the harmonizing and everything like that. Um, they just seem to be very in sync with one another. Um, all right, we're going to Germany here. Some old friends, some old acquaintances. Four piece that's been going since 2008. That is Downfall of Gaia. And uh, I kind of owe it to my uh, former bandmates, you know, Sean and Corey Smith. Whenever I was playing in Of Oak, um, they kind of opened my eyes to this band. And we actually accepted a show and opened for them, uh, them and Black Table from New York. And it's kind of funny, I think I've shared this story before, because the drummer for Black Table, uh, Michael, ended up becoming the drummer of Downfall of Gaia once their original drummer left. Um, I guess they really hit it off on that tour and uh, became good friends and everything. So whenever that drum position became open, they asked Michael if he would want to do it, even though it was kind of a long distance thing. And, uh, and he said yes, and he's still the drummer for Downfall of Gaia. It's been a while now. Um great dudes and I uh, you know we really kind of owe them one because you know their singer he, he purchased one of our shirts uh, one of our Krigsgrove shirts and he um, for, he's probably worn it out by now but we used to see photos like professional photos of them playing at like some big festivals and stuff and he'd be wearing his Krigsgrove shirt he cut the sleeves off of it and everything and he'd be wearing his Krigsgrove shirt on stage you know uh, so it was pretty cool to see, you know, our shirt on him in some publications and stuff like that. Uh, so we definitely appreciate the support, and we still uh, support them as well. So yeah, they got a new record coming out uh, called Silhouettes of Disgust. That's coming out on March 17th through Metal Blade. They've been on Metal Blade for their last few, and uh, it'll be their sixth album overall, but it's their first one since uh, 2019. There's been, you know, a, a gap there, probably pandemic-related, you know. But uh, they just released the first single and music video and everything off of it. And it's not my favorite song they've ever done or anything like that. But uh, it is pretty cool to see how they continue to change and evolve and add to their sound or even strip down their sound at times. Um, but yeah, this is just another link in the chain, the evolutionary chain that is Downfall of Gaia. They've, uh, they've kind of never released the same album twice as far as I'm concerned. So... Uh, so yeah, here we go. Watch out for this new record coming in March. The album's called Silhouettes of Disgust. This is Downfall of Gaia with Bodies as Driftwood.
There we have it. That is Downfall of Gaia from Germany with Bodies as Driftwood. I love the way that song kind of builds. Um, and the way it starts is really nice, really beautiful. And then the way it builds up and, and what it becomes, uh, I really dig it a lot. As I said, it's probably not my favorite song they've ever done or something like that, but I think it's uh, definitely a strong start. I'm, I'm eager to hear this album. Um, and we actually, now that I think about it, we opened for them a second time as well with, with Of Oak at this uh, place called The Double Wide in Dallas. And that one kind of comes with a story because um, knowing that they were coming to town and we were going to be opening and all that stuff. And we were living in Dallas at the time, like me and Corey. And we the plan all along was for them to come crash at our place. After the show, just stay at our place. It'd be fine. So they're all like, you know, vegans and vegetarians and stuff. So we specially went out and bought groceries, checking in with them, like, you know, how many members are vegetarian and, you know, and so we made sure to get some meatless, you know, stuff to do for breakfast the next day before they went out to the next town. And yeah, it was a lot of investment uh, in their, you know, money-wise and time-wise because we kind of like moved furniture all around in the living room to kind of accommodate like a wide open floor space for them to sleep on, had a bunch of pillows and stuff, you know, out and ready. And um, so these dudes can have a, you know, somewhat comfortable uh, sleep. And then that night of the show, um, they ran into this guy James, who was an acquaintance of theirs, and and his band was also playing that night. Um, and they were just like, hey, man, you know, what are you doing here? Oh, we're opening for you tonight as well. And they were just kind of all hugging, and it's good to see you. And, and then he said, James offered up, like, oh, you should come to my house after the show. And you can just, you guys can hang out, and we'll crash there and stuff. And they were like, sounds great. And they did. <laughs> so it's like, what the hell happened to crash it at our place? You know, so we had all this stuff ready to go for them. And then they never they never came. They just went to, to James's house, which was probably a more comfortable accommodation anyways, if we're being frank here. But still, I, I Corey didn't care. He was just like, yeah, whatever things happen. He's always got a more glass half full approach. But I was a bit I was a bit salty about it for a day or two. I was annoyed, but uh, it doesn't matter. We bought groceries. We ate the groceries. Doesn't matter. It's all good. Uh, all right, we're going back to Sweden here. Uh, this band existed from 1990 to 94, and then they uh, regrouped in 2008, and they're still going now, but they, they haven't released anything. Uh, as far as I know, they've just done the occasional show here and there, but it's a band called Uncanny, and it's one that I had never really heard of, um, but they definitely have like an edge of sanity type vibe to them and it's that you know quintessential kind of Swedish sound but it's I'm shocked that I never really heard of this band um, they put out some demos in uh, 91 and 92 and then they put out one album in 1994 and that's it um, so as I said they're listed as active again since 2008 but they haven't released anything uh, but this album uh, let me see what it's called. I I, I know I'm going to mess up uh, the pronunciation. Let me try my best here. But it's called Splenium for Nyctophobia. And that came out in 94 through Unisound Records, um, which I've never heard of that label either. I've heard of Unisound Studios, but uh, I don't know if old Dan Swano has a label as well back then. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, it came out through Unisound Records. But yeah, this is their only record. And it's good, like it fits right into that early 90s Swedish 
death metal scene and uh, I'm just kind of surprised that I had never heard of them before uh, it's only within the last you know month I'd say that I kind of came across them and I was like this is really good how come no one talks about this but um, yeah I don't know a bit of a mystery so yeah maybe you're like me you've never heard of these guys so uh, this one's for you then so off of their only album 1994's Splenium for Nyctophobia this is Uncanny with Towards the Endless Throne Led my side Was it good to try Never tell to see My life found to be The soul that was gay The women here to rain Was it isolation To wait that I listen There we go. That is Uncanny from Sweden with Towards the Endless Throne. Uh, yeah, I definitely get some Edge of Sanity vibes in there. Maybe even some of the really early Therion records when they were still kind of a death metal band. I kind of get some hints of that in there as well. But it's really good. I thought it was excellent anyways. But yeah, I, I don't know what the deal was that they just kind of didn't uh, break through that scene, I guess. Maybe it was just kind of overcrowded at the time. But 
All right, we're going to Norway here for the last couple of songs. Uh, This is a band that I actually mentioned earlier in the episode. It's Old Man's Child, and they existed from 93 to 2009. Um, I don't think he ever officially, like, said it was done. He just kind of stopped doing anything (laughs) with this project in 2009. But in 2019, he has announced that it is, uh, it's back, and I guess they're working on new material. But this is pretty much the project of Galder. And Galder is, um, the, you know, lead guitar player for Dimu Borgir and has been since, you know, 99 or 2000, around there. Um, but yeah, his band, Old Man's Child, was definitely more on the death metal side in their kind of demo days. And then uh, by the time the debut full-length came out, they were starting to kind of shift into this uh, symphonic black metal, you know, just like Dimu Borger was at the time. There's a lot of uh, real parallels that can be drawn. Even well before he was a member of Dimu Borger, they were friends from grade school, you know. So they knew each other, and I'm sure they influenced each other musically and things like that. So there's a lot of parallels here between early Old Man's Child and, you know, albums like uh, Storm Blast um from Dima Borger so um in fact the uh the drummer for one and a half old man's child albums is uh Tjodalv, the original drummer for Dima Borger so they've even shared members here so I'm gonna play something off of the debut a lot of people love the second album the Pagan Prosperity which is a fine album but I just love the raw sloppiness and energy of the debut um and it's one that i i frankly just hadn't listened to enough and i was listening to it again recently and there's a lot that's inspiring me about this album like the the tasteful use of acoustic guitars kind of underneath distorted guitars to kind of add this little extra texture and stuff like that it's kind of got my my wheels turning of uh, of you know taking a similar approach in the future with some Krigsgrove material maybe but um but yeah I love this debut it's got a lot of energy to it it's called Born of the Flickering it came out in 1996 through Hot Records which I've never heard of uh, but they got seven albums at this point but I think the last one came out 2008 maybe yeah I mean it's it's been a while since uh since an album of theirs has been released but um but yeah I'm you know I've never disliked an Old Man's Child album, so if he does release something new, I'm definitely going to check it out. But uh, All right, let's, let's just get to it here. I'm starting to yammer on. So I'm going to play the opening cut from this, uh, this album because there's a lot of going on within this one song. Uh, so here we go, off of 1996's Born of the Flickering. This is Old Man's Child with Demons of the Thorn Castle.
Alright, there we go. That is Old Man's Child with Demons of the Thorn Castle. I guess I should clarify that even though it's kind of Galder's baby, uh, it wasn't a one-man band or anything like that. He did have, you know, a proper bass player and, uh, what, God, what was the other guitar player's name? Jar, Jardar? J-A-R-D-A-R? We always used to <laughs> call him Jar Jar, like Jar Jar Binks from the stupid Star Wars movie. Um, so that's, you know, that's the only reason I remember his name, <laughs> but he was in it for, for years. And I think he only left in like 2003 or something like that. Like he stayed in it for a while just as a rhythm guitarist. And I think he also kind of wrote anytime they had like an acoustic, uh, interlude on an album, he would be kind of, that was his forte, I guess. Um, all right. We're staying in Norway here out of Bergen, or at least the Bergen surrounding area. Uh, been going since 91 and that is Enslaved and uh, I really don't need to introduce Enslaved much here because they're one of my favorites ever and um, they're an outstanding band but before I dive too far into that I should say as always that this is the final song of the episode so I want to uh, thank everybody for listening of course thanks for telling other people about the podcast you can tell them where to listen uh, they can listen online at bloodandfireradio.podbean.com or on the free Podbean app. And, uh, of course, the entire catalog of episodes is uh, also on Spotify, so you can find it there and follow the podcast there. Uh, any sort of feedback or requests or questions or anything, like you can email me at bloodandfireradio at gmail.com. And, of course, please find and like the Facebook page because any sort of news or updates or poll questions for you guys, the listeners, uh, anything at all that I need to get out there about uh, the podcast, I'm going to be posting it there. So uh, find the Facebook page and like it, please. And, yeah, not sure if I'm going to be doing the themed one for the next episode or the one after. It just depends on when I really get my theme uh solidify it here and find the necessary bands and songs and things like that so uh so yeah not entirely sure what the next episode is going to be but i fully expect to be on time with it in a couple of weeks so be on the lookout for that all right back to enslaved here they got a new record coming out it's coming out on march 3rd it's called heimdall and that'll be their 16th album coming out through nuclear blast records and I'm pretty psyched. I think I really like their new drummer. As a drummer, his voice is a little grating to my ears, and they, they've been overusing it a little bit. They use him in this song as well that I'm about to play, but it's not uh, drastic. But he consistently sings like right at the very edge of what his range is. And while I applaud the ambition and pushing himself to, to do that, uh, it then leaves you wide open for failure in a live setting, if he can't hit that note just right while he's also drumming, you know, uh, it's pretty apparent. And there's been a few instances of that in some live footage that I've seen where he, he's really voices cracking a little trying to hit a certain note that he did on the record. Um, but yeah, I don't love the amount that they use him, but uh, it's nice when it's peppered in here and there. So anyways, this new album, Heimdall, coming out March 3rd. Um, we've already heard most of this album now at this point. It's weird, like over the last, what feels like three or four months, they've slowly released like single after single. They've put out four singles now, and I think there's only seven tracks on the record. Uh, so we've already heard a fair amount now. Like they released a single and a music video for the song Kingdom, 
and then Caravans to the Outer Worlds, I believe they released on a like kind of a mini EP type thing, but that song's on the new album as well. Uh, and then they released Con- Congelia, that's how I'm pronouncing it, it's C-O-N-G-E-L-I-A. Uh, that was an awesome tune, and then they just released this one that I'm about to play, along with a music video. So, they're all great, they're all very different from one another, um, and this is a band that just really can do no wrong for me. Like, they just continue to grow and evolve, and, uh, you know, some albums are, are better than others, of course, but uh, they've really been on a hot streak here, and it's just amazing to see how they continue to evolve and still make it seem so effortless in the process. Um, so, yeah, I'm psyched. I'm all in. So here we go. Um, I'll see you guys in two weeks with episode 137. Until then, take care. Off of the album Heimdall, coming out March 3rd, this is Enslaved with Forest Dweller. Cheers. <laughs>